Live from Columbus, it's the Zone of Truth. This week on the show, Griff and I review the Truly Celebrations Hard Seltzer Variety Pack, take a tour through distant frontiers in returning segment Plane Shift, and of course, answer some listener questions. I'm your host, Steve, in the studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in the Zone of Truth. And we're live. We're live, baby. Yeah. December. Live Zone of Truth. Oh, it's a December to remember. Hell yeah, baby. Comes faster every year, I guess. 25 days of Christmas. We're deep into it. Uh, the ninth day of Christmas. How have you been celebrating? Griff, go. I went to Yuletide Village, mm-hmm. uh, which is the Ren Fair converted to Christmas time. Yep. Last night. And it was very fun. They put up like a sh- like the whole thing is lit up. Like it's lit up with Christmas lights to the point that you can see in the dark there. Nice. Like you can see the path and everything and everything's moved. So it's very difficult. A lot of the shops we like are there. They're just in a different spot. Oh, see, glad I didn't go because usually I get fucked up before walking in the door and then I'm just, (laughs) then I'm just rolling on instinct. But if things are moved around. (laughs) Oh, but you would have loved this, Steve. They, you know, instead of their traditional drinks, they had a whole line of warm alcoholic beverages so you could get like most of them were like get this and get it spiked but it was like they had hot cider they had hot chocolate they had a hot queen's tea Mm. they had all kinds of stuff and then they had like holiday beers which i was shocked were all going for the same price Mm -hmm. and they had like trobe's mad elf which is like 11 and a half percent for the same price as the other holiday beers it was a buck more than a Michelob ultra wow Seven bucks, at which there, you know, there's a substantial markup. I mean, that's how much you pay for like a chain mail mm-hmm. there. It was legit. <sighs> yeah, I would have been really messed up. <laughs> yeah, we didn't we didn't drink too much, although we did get a ride there, which was nice. Mm-hmm. But been doing that. I've bought everyone Christmas presents. How much are we talking about? What's my range that I need to spend <laughs> to get back? Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll find out this episode. <laughs> Yeah, we don't have enough material. The episode uh, is running a little short. We'll just start opening presents. Why don't we open the first one? What? This is not planned. Jesus Christ. Okay. So for those listening, Griff just reached below the table and pulled out a gift for me. Not planned. Not in the agenda. This is completely off the cuff. I'm completely surprised. So here we go. I'm going to try and open this a little off mic for Misophonics. I wonder which one he's opening first. It appears to be a black shirt of some kind. Yeah, so I know you love your graphic tees. Oh, so. <laughs> oh, my I thought, God. I, get you, I thought I'd get you a couple. I thought I'd get you a fun one for, uh, you know, for the holidays. Oh, no. Which would you, which would you open? I know which one this one is. <laughs> Throw it up for the chat. It's Billy the Puppet from Saw, and it says... Sawtism below it. <laughs> I saw this online and I said, wow. I can't believe you pulled the trigger on this. Of course I did. Well, I guess I know what I'm wearing to the bars tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thank you very much, man. Yeah, you're Merry, Christmas. You're Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Besides that, what else have you been up to? Still playing. Dragon Quest Monsters, still deep into it. 
Haley and I started watching a new anime. Oh, geez, what's the name of it? Hon? It's the it's the new the uh, new isekai. The one about slimes, right? Something about God. Oh, oh, let me look it up. I'll I'll come back. Come back. Yeah, Haley, look it up when we come back. But the main character is a Japanese businessman, as is tradition for most of these. He dies by sneezing in bed and like slams his head back. Apparently he sleeps on a slab of stone, which is a thing in Japan, perhaps. I, I think um, I've heard about that in Korea. I'm sure it might be in Japan. By the grace of God. By the grace of God. Okay. okay. And so he dies. He comes back as like an eight-year-old in this fantasy world with the mind of like a 40-year-old dude. So... A magical world. Yeah, magical world. So he begins like not... Well, I worked so hard in my previous life, I really don't want to like work. So he spends like the first, I don't know, several years of being there. The first three years of being there, he catches and raises slimes. Like slimes the creature. Okay. So they're kind of like oozes. And like becomes like a master of them. Starts doing stuff with them that like the people in this world, like the monster tamers or whatever, are like, we've never seen slimes do that. And then he learns about like that there's magic in the world and he gets like really good at the magic. And everyone's like, oh my God, he's an eight-year-old. He's joined the Adventurers Guild. Like, how is this possible? Mm-hmm. And so it, most of it is like, he ends up working nearly as hard as he did as like an exploited businessman, but he's like really enjoying the work that he's doing. So it's kind of like a story of, it's not really a matter of like how hard you're working if you love what you do mm-hmm. kind of thing. But we're not super far into it. I think we're like 10 episodes into it. It's it's fun. It's very chill. Sure. You know, there's no brutal combats or epic swings in story yet. But he's just like, oh, I'm becoming very successful. This is dope. It does sound very chill. It sounds like a good time. Well, as for me, I've also started a new anime recommended by a, a good coworker of mine who's got really good taste in anime. And then I've heard really good things about this show on an anime podcast that I listened to. It's Vinland Saga. So I was looking for an anime to watch because I recently rewatched Death Note and was like, okay, now I want something new. And like maybe about a week or so ago, Griff, I think you posted something about us going to Nordic Firefest in the Discord for next year and I was like you know what I should watch Vinland Saga because it is a Viking anime before we go to this festival next year so I'm six episodes deep into this thing and Vinland Saga rips it's so good I don't really want to get too much into the actual plot of it because the main crux of what the story is doesn't really come about in episode one and needless to say it's a Viking revenge story and I'll leave it at that but it's beautiful. The action is super violent and really well choreographed on screen, really well drawn on screen. And one other thing that I love about this show, opening song is just straight up Japanese screamo, my exact type of music. <laughs> so every time that rolls and I see the Viking longships breaking through like the dark blue Arctic waters and Vikings fighting each other and the northern lights above them while like people are like screaming in Japanese and like it sounds like metalcore. I'm having the time of my life. So good. 
really highly recommend Vinland Saga for anybody that likes anime or Vikings or maybe even both like us. And then I think last time on this show, I mentioned that I am getting into the Resident Evil games. So I started seven a couple weeks ago. I just rolled credits on it last night and I'm really impressed with the game. I tried playing it maybe a couple years ago when it was on Game Pass and was a little too scared. So now I've been playing it during the day on easy mode and the story's a lot of fun. It is super scary. Love it to death. And probably tomorrow I'll be starting up Resident Evil 8, which is the vampire lady ones. So. Oh, yeah, you're going to love that. I mean, that's, that's why I played through seven. Got to get to eight. Got to get to eight. <laughs> yep. That's why you made it through seven. <laughs> Pure force of will. <laughs> Concentrated power of will. That's right. So that's what I've been up to lately. But Griff, I think it's time for us to try some seltzers. How does that sound? Sounds good to me. So we're going to be reviewing the Truly Celebrations Hard Seltzer Variety Pack, which the website says, say it with us, champagne is so 2010. If you really want to celebrate in style, the Celebrations Pack is where it's at. All the fizz of champagne, just with more flavor slash refreshment slash fun slash pretty much everything. These are 5% ABV, 100 calories a pop, and one gram sugar. Got four flavors, Citrus Sparkler, Cranberry Cheers, peach fizz and rosé style so not a lot of fall or christmas packs this year really didn't find any this seems to be more of a new year's thing to me and one thing i can say is that now that we're back on a mainstream brand of seltzer we get copy for each of the flavors griff i'm so happy there's so much copy (laughs) there's things to read on the cans there's (laughs) Full-ass paragraphs from the website for each flavor. Lots to discuss. But first, we need to talk about how we're going to rate these seltzers. So I was thinking about what the word celebration means to me. And of course, the first thing that I think about is the previously owned by the Disney Corporation planned community Celebration USA in Florida. So Celebration is a master plan community, MPC, and census designated place in Osceola County, Florida, United States, a suburb of Orlando. Celebration is located near Walt Disney World Resort and was originally developed by the Walt Disney Company. Its population was recorded as 11,178 people in the 2020 census. Disney CEO Michael Eisner took an especially keen interest in the development of the new town in the early days, encouraging the executives at Disney Development Company to make history and develop a town worthy of the Disney brand and legacy that extended to Walt Disney's vision for an experimental prototype community of tomorrow, aka Epcot. So what a lot of people probably don't know is that when Disney made Epcot in Disney World, he wanted it to be a planned community or at least something like that. And it ended up becoming a theme park instead. So they really tried. And uh, there's been a lot of lawsuits because Celebration USA has just been like really shoddily constructed and degrading. It's a strange part of the world. Strange part of the world. So we're going to rate this on the top five famous people that have homes in Celebration USA. So this is number one out of five is Vince Carter, a famous NBA player. Number two is Joey Fatone. Number three is Carrot Top. Number four is Mark Tremonti. Of course, you know him, Griff, as guitarist of Creed. And then five out of five, Shaquille O'Neal. I would say this is one of our more straightforward ratings. Star-studded. Rating scales of the podcast. But how about we get into it? Sure. 
All right, I've been talking for a long time. You want to kick us off with Citrus Sparkler? Now we got can and some website copy to sure. get through. Citrus Sparkler. Like great grandma truly used to say, you can never <laughs> go wrong with citrus, especially when you combine it with alcohol. Thanks, great grandma. Classic tart flavor plus refreshingly crisp hard seltzer is a winning combo every time. This one says sip in style. So I think for future episodes of the Zone of Truth, great grandma truly should be a recurring character. Great grandma truly. Every time we got a truly pack, I hope she has something to say. Mm -hmm. Let's get into it. Hmm. I don't really like that. That kind of sucks. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> kind of bad. You know, uh, I don't really. Uh, we were pretty optimistic about this pack. I was like, truly, it probably won't be terrible. This is like the shittiest mimosa. Yeah. Uh. This is not like the Ham's Mosa Notorious that we had on Mainline HLP a long, long time ago. But this is ass. This is. Yeah. It's between a one and a two for me. So that's a Vince Carter and a Joey Fatone. A Vince Fatone. Yeah. A real Vince Fatone, that one. I'm going to come out swinging on this one. I think this sucks. This is a Vince Carter. This is a one out of five. <laughs> this is a really bad drink. It's pretty bad, yeah. Yeah, I think Vince Carter is fair. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, so... It's got citrus in it. It's just not the sourness of citrus. More like the rind. Not a great start at all. Next up is Cranberry Cheers. On the can, it says, light it up. From the website, few fruits are as classy as the cranberry. Making a toast with a kiwi cocktail? No shot. Ringing in the new year with a banana daiquiri? Not in a million years. But cheersing with a crisp, cold can of cranberry hard seltzer? We'll take that every time. What the fuck are they talking about? I'll cheers with a crisp, cold can of cranberry hard seltzer. And you know what? I think I will cheers with a yeah. crisp, cold can of cranberry hard seltzer. This is pretty decent. Yeah, that's cranberry. I've had better cranberry for sure. I think the off taste is just whatever they use to get champagne in it. Like yeah, champagne it 100% is. If you took that out, this would be good. Yeah. I'll I, give it a carrot top, I think. Dude, we are exactly in lockstep here. I'm also going to give this a carrot top three out of five. That is definitely drinkable. But there's just something there that doesn't quite nail it perfectly. So that's what you get. All right, next in the order, we got Peach Fizz. On the can, it says, party with peach. Don't mind if I do. Think peaches are exclusively a summer fruit? Think again. This light and airy <laughs> concoction is a perfect pick-me-up for any chili celebration. How peachy? Hmm. I thought I was going to say, stick it in my peach. <laughs> Give me a sweet treat. Happy HL penis. On that note... I do think the name Peach Fizz, which I think has been in another pack before, is too close to Peach Fuzz. I think I might have mentioned that before even, but I stick by it. I don't know if this is the same recipe as whatever we had before. <laughs> Why do you say that? What is that aftertaste? <laughs> don't what know, Graham. <laughs> what is that aftertaste? Don't know. Oh my God. It's like burlap or something. It definitely starts peach. It, it starts does peach, go it starts burlap. Fine, starts fine. Yep. Sure. It feels like I'm sucking off a scarecrow at the end of that. <laughs> that <It's> truly <laughs> foul at the end of that. That's the first time I've ever heard someone say it feels like I'm sucking off a scarecrow. <laughs> oh my God. 
Like, the, it's fine up front. Like, it, it peach, good. Fucking, like, I'm gumming a flannel shirt. <laughs> I'm going back in. Hmm. It really hits the back, like, corners of your tongue in a way that uh, confounds the senses. Hmm. It's like, what flavor is that? I'll tell you what flavor that is. Vince Carter, one out of five. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> Although, Vince Carter, I don't, for sure. I didn't look up Vince Carter, so I don't know if he's good or not. So, <laughs> he's just the one I was least familiar with. <laughs> not good on this list. Not good on this list at all. Boy, all right, we're rounding home here. This one is rose style. Can says, stomp and smell the rose. Copy from the website is, the mother of all truly flavors is back and better than ever. This refreshed version of fan favorite, what? That's not good grammar. This refreshed <laughs> version of fan favorite is inspired by a classic rosé. I think they're missing an A in there. Oh, fan favorite. Yeah. yeah. Delicious hints of strawberry, peach, and green apple, all carefully combined for perfect balance of sweet and sour. How fancy. I think this is what Emily was telling us, where food scientists are hired not to make anything better, but to make it cheaper. Yeah, the, the second time we're visiting some of these flavors, and it's scarecrow dick all the way down. God, I don't like that. <laughs> well, I am getting green apple, not in a good way. This but. is this is carbonated toilet wine. This sucks. <laughs> I've had better cooking wine than this. This is tough stuff, guys. <laughs> wow. What is there to say? <laughs> this is worse than last time. Definitely. Certainly. Certainly the second swing at champagne is a mess. Christ. I mean, the hubris of making a wine seltzer is perplexing, but... But then pulling it off in such a ball of flame. I'm kind of at a loss for words. That's really, really bad. Yeah. Another Vince Carter. Yeah, Vince Carter. Bringing um, the pack up to like a 1.25. Yeah, what was our first one? That was a one, right? It was yeah. a one, and honestly it's better than the other two. <laughs> which, <laughs> so, maybe we shouldn't have gone so low. We should yeah. have called it a Vince Fatone. Yeah. I think there's a case to be made for that, but the results are locked in with... Oh my god. I mean, what a piss poor showing. Boy, truly really fucked us on this one. Citrus Sparkler, one out of five. Cranberry Cheers, three out of five. Peach Fizz, Rosé as well, coming up. One out of five's a pop. That was a really disappointing time. <laughs> and so, for our final verdict, I'll just ask you, Griff, is this pack champagne or champ pleasure? I think it's champ cock and ball torture. <laughs> that sounds about right to me. Yeah, this is bad. I feel like I'm getting stepped on here in, in an inappropriate way. This pack doesn't have a sham purpose. I think we got to roll off for the cranberry. <laughs> Although I'll say whoever gets the cranberry has does to not take the peach get, fizz. Yeah, has, has to, take, to take the peach fizz. Yeah, it has to take the peach Haley, fizz. you have to try the peach fizz. Yeah. You, these are definitely gluten-free. No, I gluten love free. peach. Cool. Cool. So do we. I mean, wait for the aftertaste. It tastes like champagne and peach. Mmm. It's champagne. Maybe That's why you it should sucks. keep it. It tastes like champagne and peach. It tastes like burlap. Do you want it? 
I mean, sure, I don't it, love it champagne. It tastes like but sucking on an eraser. <laughs> it tastes like champagne, guys. And champagne sucks. That's what this is. Mm. Let, let me try these other ones. Give me, give me, I feel like this is All dramatic right. now. Well, let's start with the rosé, because this Fuck, one was... I hate rosé. Yeah, see, this one was particularly bad, I thought. Yeah, it's just sparkling toilet wine. It's not great, but it's it's not as bad as I thought it'd be. Wow, you're taking these like a champ. Pass them all it's over to Haley. Grab us guys. a couple beers. <laughs> so should we pass problem. them all to Haley and get us a couple beers? I'm not against that. <laughs> but we have eight more of these in the fridge too. Looks like Haley's getting lit tonight. <laughs> okay, this is interesting because this is artificial mandarin orange specifically, not artificial orange. Artificial mandarin orange and champagne. It's not bad. I'm sure. Give me the next one. All right, so this is the one that we rated the highest. This is the cranberry, and this is the last one, I think. Oh. Of course she doesn't like the good one. Oh, that one's not good. Wow. Oh, God. No, that's bad. Wow. Oh, that's very tart cranberry. That's why I don't like it. That is like the tartest of cranberry. What has happened to our taste buds, Griff? I, I believe they've been ruined. We're evolving. We're getting, we're, evolving. we're getting better than her. The artificial orange one is really not as bad as you guys acted, but the mm. the peach one, the aftertaste is pure, like, shitty champagne. That's what that is. And I understand, because it's like the like worst dry champagne, but you're hit originally with a sweet peach and then you get dry champagne. Those don't go together. It needed to be sweeter champagne to go with that. Because now they, they are like two different flavors in one drink versus one peach champagne flavor. All right, Anyways. Well, I think we can all agree sham cock and ball torture. So I guess Griff and I are going to be... You don't get a die. I was going to take one. So it's not going to say. 15. Nine. Light it up, baby. Oh, uh, fuck. <laughs> okay. I also have a rainbow ice hard seltzer from Ralph's that's been sitting here for a week. I think we're going to be dipping into that soon. Dipping into the Ralph's, baby. Yeah. All right. Well, I think, you know, that was such a treat. Why don't we reach into the gift bag again? What the hell? <laughs> Dude. Okay. Let's reach back into Santa's sack. Again, once... Now I have to buy you things. You don't have to buy me anything. Oh, oh this, is this is a good, a good one. one. So it's like a white t-shirt. It's I was, rolled up. I was up. hoping this would come last, but that's okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is good. All right, I'm going to hold this up for the camera. This is a white t-shirt. It's a cartoon of a child. Looks like kind of like a retro 50s-ish aesthetic playing with a model train. And it says, sorry, girls, I only hang with models. That's really good. I'm <laughs> <laughs> thinking about getting into model trains. Anyway, thanks, Griff. Mm -hmm. I'm worried because it sounds like there's more. But these have been fucking hitting. I'm going to wear them all the time. So... Let's get into the meat of our episode here. This is the segment called Plane Shift. Welcome to the Great Plains. In this segment, Griff and I each have left reality as we know it to do some homework on one of the planes featured in the Pathfinder setting. We brought that research here today and will now present it to the listening audience. Prepare to arrive between five and 500 miles from your intended destination. It's time to plane shift. All right. Today, I am going to be talking about the plane of hell, a.k.a. the pit. Griff, what are you bringing to the table? I'm talking about the prison of the laughing fiend. I have no idea what that is. I've never heard of it. Mm -hmm. That rocks. Do you want to go first or you want me to? 
Mine's going to be faster than yours, so it depends if you feel like talking now or later. How about you go first? So I can relook over my notes. Sounds good. So the prison of the Laughing Fiend is an astral demiplane, and it appears to be a forest that's stuck in stasis in, like, early fall, where as you traverse it, it's like woods, but then there are no signs of life. There's no animal sounds, no insect sounds, and the sun is always like noon in the sky. Mm. It never moves. The air has a subtle chill, and at the center of the plain sits an ancient castle which serves as the home and prison of the demon Tegrezin, which I think how you say it, also known as the Laughing Fiend. The plain is not just Tegrezin's prison, however, so let's talk about this laughing fiend. They are an enigmatic fiend of unknown type, and they're caged within this prison of the laughing fiend living in the castle in its center. They appear as an imp with the head of a fox and a tail of a scorpion wearing a comically oversized crown. It's not known what the true history of Tegrezin is, but they often will tell people that arrive in their plane about, you know, like he'll tell you about his past and the story changes every time. But what remains constant among the tellings is that he always paints himself as the victim. And the gist of his story is that he struck a bargain with powerful warlords. And in the end, both he and the souls of the warlord's descendants ended up trapped in the demiplane. So it's said that he aided the warlords against their enemies before destroying them because they didn't fulfill their part of whatever bargain that they made and cursing their bloodlines to an eternity of imprisonment. And since then, anyone that has descended from any of these warlords, their soul doesn't flow to the outer planes after it's judged, it goes straight to the prison of the Laughing Fiend, who doomed to never proceed to the River of Souls. Tegrezin himself is both covetous and hateful of the souls. He's never harmed nor sold them, but he seems open to negotiations. And what's also interesting is that Tegrezin is the architect behind the rise and fall of Celeros, who was once the Horseman of Pestilence and is the only of the four horsemen to ever resign from their position. So what happened is Celeros struck a bargain with Tegrezin in order to secure their position as the Horseman of Pestilence and failed on upholding their bargain to Tegrezin, which siphoned them of their power and forced them to resign. as one of the horsemen. So they're the only one that has done so. Tegrezin is known as being talkative and charming towards visitors, but visitors never agree on their host's identity, desires, and the true nature of his imprisonment. He sometimes makes deals with powerful visitors, which always involve gifting warped and twisted wishes of great power. So the nature of Tegrezin's imprisonment is unknown, but it's thought to have been part of that initial pact with these warlords where they 
pulled some strings and were able to get him imprisoned. And then he kind of went Uno reverse card and warped the flow of souls in order to imprison them and all of their descendants' souls with him. So the plane itself is interesting in that it is one of the few prison planes. So they're planes that are meant to keep a specific powerful being stuck there. So Tegrezin himself cannot leave the plane. A similar type of situation would be like Rova Gug's imprisonment. And it's interesting because Tegrezin is clearly powerful enough to select someone and have them rise to becoming a demigod, but they also kind of have these petty tendencies (laughs) that Mm -hmm. subjugate a line of mortals forever and ever. The prison itself kind of feels a little bit like Napoleon's imprisonment, where like you're imprisoned in a place that you have complete free domain over and you have domain over it. So like, it's not a prison prison. Like he's not in shackles. He's free to have visitors, but cannot himself leave. So that's the story. It's not a particularly long one. The only details you can find of this story are in the Great Beyond book, as well as in one of the books of the Agents of Edgewatch Adventure Path. Very cool, man. Very cool. So that's uh, that's the Prison of the Laughing Fiend. Damn. I love that. I need to learn more. It's very cool. Let's talk about hell for a little bit. Like I said, it's also known as the pit. This is the regimented realm of Asmodeus and devil kind. So hell is formed of nine layers, which descend down in a kind of pit like shape. Each of those layers is tailored to the whim of its ruling arc devil, where the souls of evil mortals and victims of the devil's machinations endure unending torments. So if we're talking 1E and you know anything about devils, you'd know that this is a strongly lawful and strongly evil aligned plane. It is ruled by Asmodeus, like mentioned, but it's also the home to several other powerful deities, including Dahak, Minderhal, the deities that are known as Asuraranuses. Then we have Arc Devils. There's eight of them. Each rules one of the levels of hell and four Queens of Night, as well as the Infernal Dukes. But there are also other denizens of the plane as well. These are beings like Asuras, Hellcats, Cerberi, and even some evangelist chitons that have not left hell, even though most of the rest of the chitons have moved on to the shadow plane. Most numerous on this plane are devils, which, come on, everybody kind of knows what a devil is. They're the evil deities in Pathfinder that are, or rather, maybe not deities, but evil beings in Pathfinder that adhere to obedience and law. They have no knowledge of compassion, free will, or morality. They have their own caste structure, and they're always in fighting to get promotions over other devils and ingrain themselves in the bureaucracy that is hell. Um, They also rule over the damned. Who are the damned? They are the petitioners of hell, and they are legion. The damned manifest in hell in forms that evoke those they held in life, but they're all this, like, starved, colorless state of being. It's rare to encounter the damned outside of some form of eternal torment. So if you're familiar at all with the depiction of hell in like 
Western religion as we know it today, you can kind of get a picture of what those types of creatures are like. Now, for the rest of this overview, I know last time I was just kind of bouncing around when I was talking about access to hit on some notable locations, some specific deities that live there, etc. But this time I'm going to go in order talking about the nine layers of hell and the folks that live in each one, respectively, because they're all individually pretty cool. So the top layer or the entrance to hell is Avernus. It's also known as the gateway to hell. It is ruled by Barbatos, the archdevil of animals, corruption, and gateways. On the fringes of this gateway realm is this other realm called Set Sendu. It is a realm that's strangely beautiful. It's like these idyllic rolling hills with a red sky above. But the denizens of that little realm are always at war with each other to try and curry the favor of the two dual leaders of this little realm. These are not arc devils. One of them is General Susumu, and the other is a being called Yazing. General Susumu is a war deity of Tianja, and Yizing is a torment deity who I love this, quote unquote, exchanges notes on the subject of torment with the arch devils of hell, passing each other notes about how to torture people and stuff. So also in Avernus is a realm called Stone Peak, which is the realm of Minderhall, which borders the wastelands of Axis, Minderhall being an evil giant deity, and Minderhall's followers are the ones that populate that realm. Specifically, devils are not permitted in that little realm, so that's kind of interesting. I'm already going to break format here and talk about an in-between layer of hell. This is in between layer one, Avernus, and layer two, Dis the layer called Adalu. It's this like quasi halfway in between layer led by Asuraronises. These are the demigods of cruelty, which largely do not interfere with devils at all. And they focus their wrath not on the damned or the people inside of hell, but on worlds across the material plane and just spreading lawful destruction across them. And they basically reside there. Back on track here, the second level down is Dis. This is the infernal city of Dis. It is the largest city in hell, ruled by Dispater, the archdevil of cities, prisons, and rulership. The cool thing about Dis is Dis is the largest metropolis in the great beyond, with the exception of the plane of Axis. It's divided into four regions known as the Outlands, the Ghettos, the Ophidian Maze, and the Iron Heart, which is the private realm of Dispater. Moving on, we have the third level, Erebus, which is ruled by Mammon, the archdevil of avarice, watchfulness, and wealth. Shout out to uh, Attack on Titan before the fall. Mammon is the name given to one of the Titans. So for all those people I know out there who have also read that manga, shout out there. These are lightless halls that serve as vaults to Hell's treasury. The majority of treasures seized by Hell's infernal legions or that are offered to Asmodeus find their way to Erebus. It's basically a realm that is just full of accountants. That's what it is. <laughs> Moving on to four, this is Philegathon, maybe is how you pronounce that. This is a realm that is mostly made up of mines and endless toil, ruled by Belial, the archdevil of adultery, deception, and desire. 
This place is pretty cool because it's where souls are melted down and forged into devils. I think that's pretty awesome. Next up is Stygia. This is five out of nine. It is a poisonous realm ruled by Garion, the archdevil of forbidden knowledge, heresy, and snakes. The cool little fact that I learned about Stygia is it's kind of like a bog or swamp or marsh, but every time a lie is spoken throughout the plains, so no matter where you are in the Pathfinder setting, basically, if you lie, a drop of poison condenses and drops into Stygia. And so Stygia is flooded, like it's this bog marshy place, and it's flooded with poison that comes from all of the lies that were ever told. So that's pretty cool. It's filled with temples to false gods and the remnants of empires that never were from across the multiverse. Next one down is six, Malabog. I think maybe is how you pronounce that. The grimly beautiful ash-caked landscape of Malabog is ruled by Malak, the general of hell and the archdevil of fire, obedience, and war. I know a lot of people were thinking when I said Malak, I was referring to Malak, the white worm that pursues Han and Kira in Solo, a Star Wars story, but no, different Moloch. This is a largely volcanic realm, which is basically covered in raining ash all the time. On the outskirts of this realm itself is a sub-realm, kind of like how Avernus had a couple of those, called Hirfelham? It looks kind of Viking-ish to read, where the fire giant deity Zerfader rules who was once ousted from Elysium. Originally, when Zerfader was ousted from Elysium and settled here, him and Moloch were at war because Moloch wanted to kick him out. But Asmodeus brokered a deal with the two, largely to piss off Moloch, who Asmodeus thought should have defeated Zerfader with ease and not let him settle on his own realm, his own plane. Only got a few more to go here. Layer seven is Kakitus. It is a perpetually frozen landscape where nothing is as it seems. It is ruled by Beazelbub, the archdevil of arrogance, flies and lies. The people that are sent there, so if you find the damned down in Kakitus, they were those who have betrayed others or were destructively ambitious in life. Their punishment is to be frozen into solid ice that makes up the glaciers of this plain. There's no land mass in Kakitus. It's all just freezing water with continent-sized glaciers on it. The weather is extremely cold. It's harsh, deadly, and its temperatures often plunge low enough to freeze flesh and render adamantine brittle. Just two more to go. We have Cana and Nessus, eight and nine respectively. So Cana is called the Bones of Hell. It is this empty, dark realm that also does not have any landmass, but notably there are these immense spikes and chains that are made of stone and bone that pierce through the plane. It's ruled by uh, magical Mr. Mistopheles. I'm sorry, I, I misread that. That's Mephistopheles, not Mistopheles. The archdevil of contracts, devils, and secrets. Notable in here as well is Dahak's realm. That is that evil, lawful dragon deity. We did reference Dahak in the last Zone of Truth when we were talking about the shackles. His realm is called the Adamantine Morass. It's located there. 
cool, fun fact about Kana is that it's this expanse of darkness that is so vast that if you fell into it, you would likely die of hunger or thirst before falling through the entire plane. You would just fall for several days and perish naturally before you reach the bottom, which is crazy to think about. And finally, at the bottom of it all is Nessus. It is the deepest, darkest layer of hell, and it is the domain of Asmodeus, the Prince of Darkness. It's desolate, dark, it's a wasteland, and it's populated by pit fiends who are said to hold treasures, like the key to Rovagug's prison down there and all sorts of other cool stuff that Asmodeus is holding on to while he schemes down in his pit to remake the multiverse to his liking. But I think that's pretty much my tour through hell. I think devils are kind of cool. I think hell in the Pathfinder setting is super fun to read through because each layer is really unique. I only scratched the surface of all of these. So I'd encourage people, if you think this is interesting, check these out because there's a lot more cool stuff out there that is hell related. But I think what that means is we have reached the end of our plane shift so Griff and I can safely return to the material realm and I think that means it's time for some questions ho ho hold on Scott <laughs> I think it's time for another present Jesus did you get like a 10 for 1 special or something alright I'm opening a third gift this appears to be a navy blue shirt <laughs> Technically, that's a reference for The Sopranos, but we didn't know that until later. Oh my. All right, because I also haven't seen The Sopranos. <laughs> so this is a character from The Sopranos, I guess. And it says, I'm a train boy, tis my hobby, Janice. And it's the same character in three different positions holding model trains with a big model train across the bottom. I'll tell you what. I love it, by the way. If anybody knows what character from The Sopranos this is, throw it up in the chat. But my social media feeds have just been flooded with train videos lately because it's just picked up that when I see a train video, I stop and watch that shit through. I want to see what's going on. I chose the shirts correctly. Yeah. I love this. These are great. That's the last one. Yeah. Okay. That's the last gift I have in my sack. For you. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, do we have questions? We do have questions. And I'll start with the first one asked, which from Demuth. And he asked, what is hell for you guys? Oh, hmm. I'm debating how serious of an answer I should go with. <laughs> A barbecue where all the meat is frozen when I try and put it on the grill and all the drinks are sesh seltzers. <laughs> That sounds like torture. Yeah, that's bad times. And it's like 110 degrees outside, but my grill's being finicky, so I have to be out there and watch it. Mm -hmm. I have recurring, like, trying to run or get away from something nightmares where, like, I can't move forward, where, like, you try and run and don't make progress or something like that. That's always creepy. I also hate the feeling of not having enough sleep. So, like, not being able to sleep kind of Freddy style is also awful. Uh, yeah, if you got uh, Freddied. Yeah, if I got Freddied, that'd be a bad time. And then I'll also say uh, hell means no brooks around. So, there you go. That's my hell. 
Okay, next question. Bippy has asked, well, by Krusty Shrimp Tart has asked, mm-hmm. which character from Cats do you believe should be the rightful heir to hell? Should we go by level? Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, of course we should. Yeah. So Avernus, the gateway to hell, this would probably be... I think you get a nice welcome from Scrimble Shanks, the railway cat. Yeah, he gets you in. This is where he ferries people in. He gets you in. Uh, The cat of the railway. I'm worried using Skimble Shanks this early because he's such a fan favorite cat, but this is a great great spot spot for Skimble Shanks. Infernal City of Dis. You know, we got to think of what a metropolitan cat would be. So I think like a Gumby cat, honestly. Or um, I don't think a Gumby cat's a city cat. I think this is. Dude, I, I think this is a Gumby Cat's a city cat. No, Gumby Cat is a is like a pampered like house cat. Yeah, I think this is dual ruled by Mungo Jerry and Rumpelteaser. You're correct. Ooh, the two cats Ooh. that know how to like know how to live in the city, know how to scavenge. Griffin I, is I'm, not wrong here. I'm I'm I don't think you're wrong that they're a decent fit for this. I would lean a little Stygia for them because that's all about lies. And their goal is to like lie to Victoria, the cat in cats. But we can come back. I, let's let's put them on dis. That's fine. Okay. I like them for Stygia, but I also like them for dis. I'm not gonna argue with you on this. See Erebus, I'm very passionate about that this should be the James Cordine cat. Oh, you think this Buster should, for Jones. You think yeah. this should be Buster for Jones? He's greedy, man. I see that. I was going to go either Buster for Jones or the Gumby cat. Okay. That's yeah. also a good one. Yeah. I don't think there's like a, there's not a gluttony level, right? Yeah. So, so at the so expense of that, like I, as close I, as think that I think that's where you go. Buster for Jones for Erebus. Phlegathon. This was the mining one where souls are melted down and forged into devils. I think that's do we go river the, with the river cat? Like the yeah, kinda, yeah, yeah. I don't remember kinda, his name. Well, offhand. okay, but I kind of think he kind of he oh, kind of goes in in because um, that's kind of like a river. Yeah, he goes in the flooded realm. Okay, it's we'll I, put river cat and Stygia. Uh, this good. is oh man, like forging stuff. So I'm also kind of like looking at who the arc devils are. And this is Belial, the archdevil of adultery, deception, and desire. And that kind of oh, sounds like oh. Taylor Swift cat. No, no, well, no, not Taylor Swift cat. Um, main cat, the one that sings memories. Oh, oh, oh. Wasn't she like cast out because she was yeah. unfaithful or whatever? Um, her name starts with a G. Grizabella. Grizabella. We should maybe have the cat, yeah. the cat cast list that. up here. I'm good Grizabella. with that. Grizabella. Um, no, I think it's more impressive that we're doing it from memory. Blood the um, Yeah, Grizabella. Uh, Stygia is the river cat. Yeah, river cat. Male bulge. So this is the ashy one with a lot of war. Maybe with... Uh, there's a tough one. Uh, is there slaughters there? This is a really tough one. This one's hard, yeah. You think it's the Ian McKellen cat? I don't know. I was kind of wanting to shoo Ian McKellen into Kakitus, the cold one. Oh, no. This one is Gumby Cat. Because Gumby doesn't Gumby Cat have like an army of mice that do 100%. Bidding? Boom. Got it. Gumby Cat's here. Yeah, that's really good. That is really is the army of cockroaches. Yeah. Kakitus mm-hmm. is the frozen one. I said Ian McKellen cat. Oh, yeah. Like, like arrogance. Uh, mm-hmm. Like he's a failed actor cat. Yep. Yeah. It's a, uh, I don't remember his 
cat's I name. I have no idea. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's it's that. Kana, this is the empty realm of immense spikes and change. It's run by Mephistopheles. Yeah, so we it's Mr. Mephistopheles. Mr. Mephistopheles. And then Nessus is the is domain. easily, um, you know, Idris Elba's cat. Yes. God. Uh, why can't uh, I remember that cat's name? It's the Taylor Swift song. He cheats. McCavity. 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 Yeah, McCavity's McCavity real Nessus. lives in the deepest cavity of hell. Yep. Boom. We did it. <laughs> we figured it out. Unfortunately, well, Dame Judy Dench doesn't belong in hell. Mm-hmm. Nor does Victoria. No. So we missed... We missed... Uh, the milk bar cat. The milk bar cat. Yeah. But that's okay. It's okay. Not every cat's going to have a place. Hey, we that's true. to move to a different question? I think we can, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's move to the heavy side layer and get to the next question. Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah, I think we got also from Demuth. If you were to be punished and your soul would be traveled to hell, which layer would you prefer to land in? Mm. That's a good question, too. Hmm. I don't like being cold. I don't like being hot. I think the right answer is this, because it's the big old city and you can probably get kind of lost in it and survive likely unnoticed. But if I need to be here tormented, um, I'm a man that likes structure and I can do some accounting. Throw me in Erebus and I'll just work in the accounting department. That's fine. I'll count treasure all fucking day long. I yearn for the mines. Legathon, <laughs> <laughs> like or however you say it. Yep. I see that. I see that, and I don't hate it for you. <laughs> Forging souls into devils? Yeah. It's <laughs> my shit, baby. All right. We got from Finder question Devils or demons? Do you have a preference? 100% devils. No question. Uh, I don't I don't fuck with chaos. I like demons just because I feel like there's a lot more variety. Mm. I feel like there's A, more types of demons, and B, like the rulers of demon things are like all over the place, which yeah. is, is, you know, chaos, but I just think they represent a lot more things than the, like the arch devils do. Yeah. Those are very fair arguments. I stand by devils, but I do see the argument for demons. That's they're what, they're that's a lot more thing. varied. They, one thing I hate to see in like the Pantheon is like so-and-so pit fiend level 12, you know, mm -hmm. that's what I see when I look at, you know, infernal Dukes, it's like pit fiend level, whatever pit fiend level, mm -hmm. level four fighter level one, whatever. And with demons, at least it's like all over the place and yeah. what they are. Makes sense. All right, let's keep it rolling. Newt has asked in that level of hell that had civilizations that never existed. What sort of dungeons slash adventures would you enjoy seeing? How would the party get there, and what obscure aspect of Galarian would you like to see an empire based off of? You know what I would love for an adventure in that level of hell? I'd love if that level of hell already had temples to Razmir in it. Yes, I was thinking kind and, of the same and thing. And, like, point of the adventure is you going to that level of hell, discovering the temples of Razmir and stuff, to bring back proof that, like, Razmir is a false idol. Mmm. That's an adventure right there. That right there is an adventure that like actually works in the Pathfinder canon mm -hmm. and moves the actual action or timeline of the Pathfinder setting forward. Right. I think that's just like the right answer. I don't know. Like, I really do enjoy the unknown. So it's almost like paradoxical to answer this question, right? Like, what would I like to see there? I just described 
So like, I, I want to learn something new. I want to discover a new deity that never existed or, or a weird religion I've never heard of. I don't want to make that up myself, if that makes sense. I want to be surprised by something weird. I think it would just be interesting to find something that is established in like the lore in there and then realize sure. that it's fake. Yes. Cool. Let's see. Next question is from Eric. What's the best witch slash wizarding familiar in each of these ca- three categories? Mechanical boost, flavor, rule of cool. Hmm. I don't know enough about familiars. Right. Neither. I mean, I do feel I. like we're talking one e because two e like familiars don't give you mechanical boosts. Mm-hmm. There's a reason everybody picks like green sting scorpion or whatever is yep. is for the initiative bump. So that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Easy to conceal. I think usually. You want something with a mechanical boost that also can fly. Yeah. That's generally up there, although I don't know off the top of my head what that is. I think two E's increase the amount of like advanced familiars that are just better because they don't give you like mechanical benefits, but you can ask them to do more things. So in that sense, like an imp is really good. Like a fairy dragon or a house dragon is also really good. My Skull and Shackles character will get a familiar at level two when I take that witch dip. So I don't really want to answer this question because one, I don't really know too much about like mechanical boosts and and, and that kind of stuff. But I love the flavor of the familiar that I'm going to be bringing in. And I don't want to spoil that quite yet. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. I think maybe not flavor in a story forward sense, but flavor in a always funny sense is the blank folk that gets a blank as a familiar, so the rat folk that has a rat, the gripply that has a frog, mm-hmm. the tengu that has a bird. That's never not a good time for role-playing and joking around around the table. Yep. That always makes me laugh. That's like when we went to our local place and Chris got the loaded baked potato with a side of a loaded baked potato. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. that, that's just good to clean fun. <laughs> this is good clean fun. <laughs> Waiter's like, I yeah, technically you can do that. No one's ever done it. Yeah. I don't know what would really <laughs> constitute rule of cool. Mm-hmm. I guess that's kind of like a situation where like Sylvie has an imp, but doesn't qualify for an imp. So I like change the rules for it. Yeah. You know, maybe that's the rule of cool. Mm-hmm. All right. I know we're getting a little close on the runtime for the episode. So do we got one or two more? Yeah, sorry, I just need to ask this as a follow-up for Steve specifically. Would taking a snake familiar be a real goofy slash Pluto situation? That's from Bippy. Because it is different. That is different than a frog and a frog, I feel like. Because you are part not snake. That's true. I think that logic mostly tracks. Yeah, that makes sense to me. An upright snake and a... Slithering snake. Mm-hmm. My familiar <laughs> is not a snake. It should be, but it's not. Yeah, maybe it should be. <laughs> Just kidding. No, I, I'm locked in with what I have. It's going to be good, but it is not going to be a snake. That's B- the last question. Baby follows up with an upright snake and a downright snake. LOL. I love it. I think that's the last question. Yeah. Okay. Well, if that is it for questions, did we get any final jabs today? Let's see, because I didn't see it one, but I... Yeah, I don't see one. Mm, five, four, three, two, one. Time's Ooh, up. Ooh, time's up, gang. Time's up, gang. Too bad. Oh. Sucks to suck. 
Well, oh, no, there's people typing. That's a shame. <laughs> oh, too shame late. Up, time out. It's a shame because uh, it's not a buzzer beater if you don't beat the buzzer. Yep. Keep it to yourself. I asked, and then I gave you time, and then we answered a whole bunch of questions, and here we are. So this is where I usually do a little bit of wrap-up and housekeeping, but I don't think we have anything huge on the calendar coming up, so just keep listening to Skull and Shackles. It's been a blast, and those of you who have checked it out have given us some really positive feedback, so thank you for that. We've really enjoyed hearing people connect with the new characters and the new campaign. But before we move over to the Drunken Disorderly channel for our after party for Live Zone of Truth with the folks here live with us today, I would just ask Griff, is there anything to add or is there just anything you want to say to the people at home now that you've succeeded your will save? I do think I have a housekeeping item. Go for I'm it. pretty sure I'm going to be on the December Tom Talks. Oh, I didn't know that. That's awesome. What are you guys uh, talking about? I don't know yet. <laughs> Stop. All right, check that out over at our friends at the Strange Table Fellows Network. But in the meantime, you succeeded your will save Griff. You made it out of the zone of truth. So did everybody hanging out with us here today. So is there anything you want to tell the people at home before we wrap it on up? Why don't you all slob on the scarecrow's knob like corn on the cob? We'll see you in two weeks. Later. 